Welcome to Hashtag Resilience. I'm Watson Jordan, your host. I lead the Resilience Initiative, where we research and promote resilience from around the globe and back to you, our listeners. Our big idea, we can develop resilience. Our promise, we'll show you how with inspirational stories and straightforward ideas. Learn more about us and my book, Mine, Ours, and Yours, A Father's Journey Through the Life and Death of a Child at www.hashtagresilience.com. That's all one word. This episode of Hashtag Resilience is an internal reflection on the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent events. A look at what I'm learning, my hopes, and my sadness. Who am I? I am against murder. The Resilience Initiative promotes resilience. We believe three things are the foundation of resilient lives. An inner circle, belonging to communities, and a core belief. We promote resilience around the world. This is, there's never been a time that we needed to stay resilient more than now. To remember what the object of the exercise is and to not get distracted. The days following the murder of George Floyd have revealed again the pain and heartbreak caused by racism in all its forms. Our divided nation has lurched and grown as the story unfolds. I'd like to start with the idea that more than one thing can be true. I heard this from columnist Michael Wilbon in talking about race, racial topics, and racism. And he talked about that more than one thing can be true, that we can have conversations about race and that doesn't make me a racist. That things can happen that are racial and that doesn't make everyone involved a racist. And that things do happen that are racial and racists are involved. So more than one thing can be true. I found that's tremendously helpful in trying to remain level-headed. So there are two things that I think are great examples of that. One is the police department. There are many, in fact, most police officers are outstanding. Their job is very hard. They knew that when they signed up for it, and they do an admirable job protecting the citizenry in their communities and around our country. And there is video of police officers murdering black men. And if it hadn't been for the video, I would say that can't be true. So more than one thing can be true. I can really appreciate the incredibly difficult job that the police department does and be dead set against condoning police murdering black men. And I really appreciate the police and that group that have walked with groups recently that have spoken out against the murder of black men 
And one of the places that the most good has come from and can come from again is from within the police departments when they work actively to make sure that all of the police officers are on board with the clear objectives that they state. Another thing, more than one thing can be true, I really support protesting and I am really against destruction. So more than one thing can be true. In the destruction, it's just confusing. And it's confusing that it turns to destruction. And it's confusing that a real amount of the destruction has been done by white people to make it look like black people have done it. Lincoln says, there are no bad pictures. That's just how your face looks sometimes. When I look at this, when I look at my part, when I look at my community, I don't like the way the picture looks, but it's not an incorrect picture. And that hurts. In this week, there are several topics that I have learned more about. One is the movement, the group, Black Lives Matter. When I have heard that before and read that before, I've gone, sure, Black Lives Matter, but everybody's lives matter. My life matters. My kids' lives matter. Well, I think that's a common response. And I don't think it's ill-intentioned. But my thinking in that area indicated that I was completely tone deaf to the entire idea. And there are two examples that I have heard that helped me, that gave me some insight into what the object of the exercise was. One is that there's a neighborhood that's filled with houses and one is on fire. And when I say we should send the fire department to the house that's on fire, the response is, well, all houses matter. Well, they do, but one is on fire and we need to put that one out. And that's an example of Black Lives Matter because there's a big problem and it's different and we need to address it. The second is if I go to the doctor with a broken arm and I say my arm is broken and he says, well, all bones matter. That doesn't mean that my arm isn't broken and that that's not where the attention needs to go. I think this type of learning, learning about Black Lives Matter, and for that matter, what I'm going to talk about next, white privilege and institutional racism are difficult and will take work and they're hard to do. And there's no quote I've ever heard that sums up why we do hard things than the following quote from John Kennedy at Rice University about going to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. Another thing I've learned so much about is the concept of white privilege. And as a white man, I think I'm just 
as in the dark about white privilege as every other white person in the country. I've never felt I was treated differently. And from my perspective, I didn't have anything to compare it to. But with more context, I can understand. I've been treated so differently for so long that I didn't know it was different. It's a great example of how I can be tone deaf. I'm so out of it, I just don't get it. So here are three examples that have helped me to grow some empathy and to understand my white privilege. The first example, my wife is a professional genealogist. And when I or any of my white friends go to her and say, I'd like to research my family tree, they just set off researching it. And we have the expectation that we'll be able to go back really quite far. We can find the documents to prove who who was whose aunt and uncle and to establish a rich understanding of family history. And when my black friends go to her to research their family, it doesn't take long until their family does not exist. Literally, there are no records. They have been wiped away. And that's something I never think about as a privilege I have, and it is. A second example is our ability to escape the stereotype of being violent. So despite white men being the primary murderer attacker in all school shootings in this country, of which we have had so many, we don't know how many we've had, that white people escape the stereotype of being violent. Yet the perception that black people are more violent is baked into our culture, into our TV and movies, into everything else, so much so that we believe it. And it is not the reality. And how often do I hear that about white people? That's a real privilege. A third is how history books describe black history, specifically home burning, lynching, and murder, and the destruction of family, and how those aren't really described as crimes. If they're mentioned, they're mentioned just as events. Those are three examples of white privilege. It's worth learning more and understanding. And it speaks to what Rachel Carson talked about when she says, but man is a part of nature. And his war against nature is inevitably a war against himself. Institutional racism. What is institutional racism? I can hear words, but I've had to learn and research and listen to learn more about this, to get an idea of what institutional racism is. The two examples that helped me, and there's a book called The New Jim Crow, which I have read, and I've heard her speak. And if I could recommend one book, I would recommend that as a place to start. But one place where institutional racism exists is in our judicial system. And the strong evidence that when committed of similar crimes, black men as a rule go to jail and white men as a rule get probation. And that's an example of institutional racism. A second example, how many white 
people have ever gotten stopped by the police for driving while white. I don't know anyone, but I don't know a single black person who has not been stopped for driving while black. And that's an example of institutional racism. This is a quote because I think it's such a tough topic to learn about. And again, I, I encourage more research for understanding by our listeners. But institutional racism refers to how ideas of white superiority are captured in everyday thinking at a systems level, taking in the big picture of how society operates rather than looking at one-on-one interactions. These systems can include laws and regulations, but also unquestioned social systems. Systemic racism can stem from education, hiring practices, or access. Something I'd like to mention that I hear a lot that's a distraction uh, from the point is when people start talking about eliminating racism, often a response is, well, we're not going to do any more funding or handouts. And I just want to say out loud that eliminating racism is working towards fairness and equity. It's not about funding, removing barriers. They're different things. I'd like to talk a bit more about the rioting, and I'd like to say thank God for video. In Asheville and in cities all around the country, we have seen video of white people vandalizing and causing destruction, and you wonder why they're doing that. The easiest thing for me to believe is that it's not accidental, that it's intentional. It's some people, I would say evil people, trying to frame and make the black community look bad. It's hard for me to believe. Who does that? It's confusing, and it's confusing how to learn when the information is so extreme and polarized. As one group throws facts and the other group disputes them, then throws their own. I'm not trying to untangle the war on facts. I am strongly suggesting that the system for learning about and working to end racism fundamentally starts with listening to and believing our friends in the black community, our understanding that empathy is trying to understand how someone else feels, to try and relate to their experience. But I do know the minute I start defending myself, my learning concludes, it ends. Fear has taken over and hate is winning. Tonight, Front Page Challenge welcomes the outspoken Negro leader, Malcolm X. Black Muslims uh, have sometimes, whether you have or not, and I think probably you have, have sometimes, it seemed to me, been preaching hate to meet hate. Uh, I don't advocate any kind of hate. There's a lot of talk that sounds very much like it. No, I think that the guilt complex of the American white man is so profound until when you begin to analyze the real condition of the black man in America, Instead of the American white man eliminating the causes that create that condition, he tries to cover it up by accusing his accusers of teaching hate. But actually, they're just exposing him for being responsible for what exists. So how do I feel today? I think when people hear this, many white people 
will think that my feelings are quite an overstatement. And I think that many black people will say, yes, except it has been going on for 400 years. But this rings true for me. I feel like it's a year after the end of World War II. I'm a German. I live in Germany. And I'm just learning about the concentration camps for Jews and the ovens for their mass death. And I cannot believe that the things I'm learning have happened in my country. That's what I felt this week. An open heart. That more than any particular policy or analysis is what's called upon right now, I think. What a friend of mine, the writer Marilyn Robinson calls that reservoir of goodness beyond and of another kind, that we are able to do each other in the ordinary cause of things. Mm -hmm. That reservoir of goodness. Mm -hmm. If we can find that grace, Uh anything is possible. If we can tap that grace, Uh everything can change. So for me, a core part of racism is about evil and hate. And I've always liked Ronald Reagan's speech and comments about hate, and I'd like to play them now. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, Open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And if racism is about evil and hate, then ending racism is about love and hope and strength. And if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. The Dalai Lama tells us that. And I found these words from Teddy Roosevelt about diversity. He said, I cannot consent to take the position that the door of hope, the door of opportunity, is to be shut upon any man, no matter how worthy, purely upon the grounds of race or color. Such an attitude would, according to my convictions, fundamentally wrong. And it is fundamentally wrong. Those doors, the doors of hope and the doors of opportunity, have been shut. And the work we have in front of us is to open them. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice. A man dies when he refuses to take a stand for that which is true. So we're going to stand up right here amid horses. We're going to stand up right here in Alabama amid the billy clubs. We're going to stand up right here in Alabama amid police dogs if they have them. We're going to stand up amid tear gas. We're going to stand up amid anything that they can muster up, letting the world know that we are determined to be free.
And in conclusion, I have to stand up more often and without apology. I need to join the thousands who are standing and reach out my hand to the thousands who are not. Please look in the episode notes. There are links there to begin the process of learning more. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hashtag Resilience with Watson Jordan. Please reach out to me and let me know what you think. If you like our show, please subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. The episode notes include germane information about the show. Take a look. We are available for speaking and facilitating in addition to our researching, interviewing, and writing. Learn more about our work on resilience at hashtagresilience.com. Spread the word.